platform workers, ushers, we appreciate your ministry. How many of you guys have had a good time this week? Hallelujah. We've had an incredible, incredible time with Evangelist Johnson, words, due season, sermons um, that have been right, right and on time. And that's, isn't that God? Isn't that who God is to bring words perfectly um, in time? Not late. We think they're late. Because we've been asking, right? We think they're late, but it's in perfect timing from God. So tonight, our last service, why don't we have ears to hear and let's give God praise as Evangelist Johnson takes over. I had fish tacos last night, so I'm ready to have revival. <laughs> we appreciate every one of you so much and your generosity, your pastor, and uh, uh, the time that I've been able to spend with him. Uh, again, he's been a wonderful host, and I appreciate so much the opportunity uh, just to be able to share Jesus with people. We've had a number of people that have been saved. We've seen some miracles. Others, you're still contending. So again, remember how that uh, when Joshua went, went around the city of Jericho, they had to march for seven days around. And, uh, uh, and we know on that final day, they marched again. And when they spoke, those walls fall down. Jesus never gives up on us, and we won't give up on him as well. So, Amen. In the Philippines, some of my friends call me Elvis. I think it's because I'm taller than they are. But. Uh, these lyrics uh, came up with uh, uh, just out of my frustration of trying to share the gospel with people, friends, family members, uh, some that you seem to talk to again and again. It's hard to break through and help them to understand that Jesus is real. Amen. me dizzy when we try to talk and I start to wonder you ever wake up don't you know God loves you the wonders you will miss if you never find Jesus Christ exists I don't think I'm getting through to you why are you acting like a kid in school trying to be noticed acting Try to tell you Jesus loves you so hey, hey. If I had a nickel each and every time stop to think about them I'd only have a dime but you know I'm hoping someday you wake up see that life is better you give your sin enough I don't think I'm getting through to you why are you acting like a kid in school trying to be noticed acting like a fool when I try to tell you Jesus loves you so, hey, hey, oh, won't you come to Jesus? 
Jesus How won't you give up this world You know he loves you madly He's gonna love you past the end of time Tell me if I'm getting through to you No more acting like a kid in school Trying to be noticed, acting like a fool When I try to tell you Jesus loves you so Yes, I'm just trying to tell you Jesus loves you so Hey, I'm just trying to tell you Jesus loves you so Guitar was still kind of new to me when I got saved. I started playing saxophone, singing uh, when I was very young, but uh, always wanted to play guitar. When I got saved, I wanted to try to put into words the appreciation for what Jesus had done in my life. And so uh, this is a song that I wrote when I only knew about three chords. And uh, the words, again, just uh, kind of share a testimony of my life and my experience.
go as I planned. Matter of fact, they got out of hand. Just a place in the world I'd wanted to see. Well, it turned out it, it wanted me.
And there is a God in heaven who cares. And he knows each and every one of us. He knows us by name. And again, if we believe Jesus' words, he said that our Father in heaven knows even the very number of hair on our head. And I'm trying to make it easy for you. If you have your Bibles and you'd turn with me this evening, Ecclesiastes chapter 10. Again, so grateful for all of you and for your gifts and uh, your service, people who have been faithful here. Uh, again, it's a pleasure, it's a joy to be able to count you among my friends. Again, so grateful to Pastor Goliath, his family, and the uh, people opening their homes. And uh, uh, again, it's such a joy to get to know those who we'll spend eternity with. But you know, Jesus is coming back soon, and I am convinced each time I read the news, I know we're that much closer. Ecclesiastes chapter 10, as you find that in your Bibles. When I was a uh, young boy, we, of course, growing up on a farm in a rural community, we used to attend a church or congregation in a very small community, less than 100 people. And uh, about the time that I was in the transition between fourth and fifth grade, my parents made the decision that we were going to uh, 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 go to a larger congregation in the community where uh, I attended school. And I remember the first day of Sunday school that I was there, and uh, there's a lot of kids, most of them I didn't know. And being the awkward farm kid, uh, I kind of just stood with my back against the wall, kind of watching what everybody else was doing. Uh, and there was this uh, one boy that was there, and uh, uh, very exuberant, very loud and outgoing. I didn't know what to think of him. He would dart around the room from one person to the next, and just loud and bold boisterous, and someone brought in a bouquet of flowers. This was for the teacher who was taking on the challenge of teaching, instructing us children at our age. And I remember as this vase of flowers was set upon the teacher's desk, this young boy stopped for a moment, and he ran over to the flowers, and he goes... Stinks good. And I thought, what a weird thing to say. Those two words don't belong together. But at the same time, I'm thinking, I like that kid. Something about him. And uh, I got to know Scott uh, in those early years. Eventually, uh, uh, his family moved on elsewhere. Uh, but he made an impression on me, especially just with that simple uh, uh, gesture of taking a, a deep breath of those flowers uh, and saying, stinks good. So tonight, you know that it was enough of an impression for me to name my sermon, Stinks Good. Tonight, <laughs> National Geographic, there was an article some years back that was called Perfume, the Essence of Illusion. Sophia Grossman, who was the CEO of International Flavors and Fragrances, made the statement, perfume is a promise in a bottle. We want to believe, we crave to be prettier, richer, sexier, happier than we are. 
Many of the perfume labels will be aspirational in some way. Uh, Joy, pleasures, white diamonds. Beautiful. Charles Revson, who created the uh, Aroma Charlotte in 73, said, we sell hope. This is a multi-billion dollar business. It comes from the word pufamar, which means to spread smoke. So in history, we are aware that it's said that even uh, Queen Cleopatra had the sails of her vessel soaked with perfume when she would receive her lover, Mark Antony. The Assyrian army was said to have perfumed their beards And so I'm sure when you were in the field of battle and all of the smells of uh, uh, the brutal things taking place, probably it was kind of nice to have some perfume in your beard. Emperor Nero was said to have bathed in rose wine. I guess when you are the ruler of the known world of that day, you can choose whatever it means to uh, bathe yourself. The Emperor Napoleon was said to have used up to two bottles of cologne on a daily basis. So I can only imagine wearing those wool uniforms and things of that era. You know, that uh, probably made a very unusual fragrance in itself. Most of us know that uh, certain fragrances uh, uh, can remind us very quickly of certain individuals. Uh, again, I, I grew up in America and uh, 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 a familiar fragrance of an aftershave uh, uh, was called Aqua Velva. My dad was an Aqua Velva man. And I find it interesting, sometimes I'll just be walking through uh, uh, the mall with my family uh, and my mind is on one thing or another, but somebody will walk by and immediately I smell that fragrance and I I think of my father. And the same is true for parents, friends, maybe some of those who are uh, first love uh, at times. Those fragrances can immediately trigger memories within us. It's true of home cooking. When the holidays come around, maybe your uh, uh, grandparents and parents, you know, maybe they're making tamales together uh, or in other areas. You had uh, other uh, uh, food items, the turkey that is in the oven and pies that are baking. And it's amazing how that when you smell those things, it almost immediately takes you back to times when you were young and Grandma and Grandpa were still around, and the times you spent with cousins and other family members, and uh, it's amazing how vivid those memories can be linked to certain smells and aroma. This is why it's said that perfume is called the coast in a bottle, and it has that ability to remind us of experiences and of individuals. Ecclesiastes 10, verses 1 through 3, we read a portion of Scripture that deals with the perfume or the apothecary, as it were. It says, verse 1, dead flies putrefy or spoil the perfumer's ointment and cause it to give off a foul odor. 
So does a little folly or foolishness to one respected for wisdom and honor. A wise man's heart is at his right hand, but a fool's heart at his left. Even when a fool walks along the way, he lacks wisdom, and he shows everyone that he is a fool. And I want to stop there, and I want to just consider, first of all, what God smells. And you know, when you read the Bible, there are many references. We know that God isn't a man like us. Jesus took on the form of a man. He is the Son of God. He is the Son of Man. But yet when we read references in Scripture, we are reminded that He is not flesh and blood like us. But we have, we read accounts of the eyes of God running to and fro on the earth, seeking for a man who will stand in the gap. There are references to God inclining his ear to the cries of his people. God stretching forth uh, uh, in the strength of his right arm uh, to break oppression and to set his people free. Uh, The hand of God uh, bringing help and deliverance in an hour of need. Uh, Even references to the very finger of God whether it's casting out devils or the finger of God resting upon the heart of a man to bring conviction. But we don't think about the nostrils of God. We don't think about uh, what God smells, as it were. But yet, uh, we need to understand something, that there are references to this very thing. Exodus 30, verse 1, uh, part of the building of the uh, the items that would be used in worship for the tabernacle, it says, you shall make an altar to burn incense. On, and you shall make it of acacia wood. Later on, verse 7 through 10, Aaron shall burn on it sweet incense every morning. When he tends the lamps, he shall burn incense on it. And when Aaron lights the lamps at twilight, he shall burn incense on it, a perpetual incense before the Lord throughout your generations. You shall not offer strange incense on it or a burnt offering or a grain offering, nor uh, shall you pour a drink offering on it. And Aaron shall make atonement upon its horns once a year with the blood of the sin offering of atonement. Once a year he shall make atonement upon it throughout your generations. It is most holy to the Lord. And so again, we know this is a previous generation. This is a covenant uh, that we are separated from because of the body and blood of Jesus. But yet here's an illustration uh, that still affects us today. That God does have the ability to get a whiff of certain aromas, certain things that are pleasing or pleasant to him. See, we are often in the business of covering up odors. I find it interesting that now as we have a a rash of uh, uh, lawlessness in many of our cities, that some of the items that are being stolen from the CVS pharmacies and Walgreens and things like that oftentimes are perfumes and deodorants and a perspirants. Again, uh, this is because of street gangs. They sell them on the street and uh, mark them up uh, uh, for a certain price, etc. But, you know, I remember when I was young, you know, I 
started drinking very young. I experimented with a lot of different uh, uh, other drugs as well. And sometimes we would do this during school hours. And again, I want you to understand, young people, uh, drugs uh, is no answer for any of your problems, your feelings, uh, what you're experiencing in life. It'll only complicate uh, your life and your relationships. It is sin. God doesn't want you uh, to live or conduct your life that way. But oftentimes, my friends and I would go out during lunch hour and we would be smoking and we would be uh, uh, consuming some of these uh, uh, illegal items. And But before we went back to school, we would try to cover up those aromas. We would have uh, uh, antiperspirant cans and we would spray ourselves all over. And so we would come walking through the school with a silly grin on our face. And Do you think anybody was fooled? No. Everybody knew what we were up to. See, and the same is true with God. We try to cover up bad smells. You know, you have an old car and, you know, maybe something died in it some time ago, you know, or something like that. But you can buy an air freshener that says new car smell. And so you can get that scent of a new car in some way. But you see, God is not fooled by us covering up aromas in our life. Did you know that the ingredients that go into fragrances are actually more costly than gold? That obtaining them and to press out the uh, uh, enzymes, the things that go into making that, that literally they are thousands or tens of thousands of dollars per pound in itself. Ingredients like jasmine and other types of floral things. One of the most expensive ingredients that usually goes into only the most high-end and expensive uh, uh, fragrances is a substance called ambergris. What is ambergris? I'm glad you asked. Ambergris is so very rare and it's only found in the sea, is that I've heard or read of uh, tuna expeditions. These are uh, commercial fishermen that are out searching for some of the largest tuna in the sea. Some of those tuna can be upwards of $350,000, $400,000 per fish. But when they see ambergris on the surface... They suspend the fishing operations so that they can obtain ambergris. Ambergris, if you were to have a chunk probably the size of the speaker, maybe a little bit bigger, would probably be upwards of a million to two million dollars. But what makes it so rare is that it only exists in the belly of a sperm whale. That after it eats uh, over a period of time, that occasionally it has to empty its stomach uh, uh, contents uh, and it regurgitates this uh, and then it floats on the surface. And I know, who is the first one to say, hey, this would be really good in my wife's perfume? But what they had found, and again, who were the individuals who experimented with this? Who knows? But 
That is actually the substance that makes the fragrance last longer. That when you put it on in the morning, it's just as fresh in the evening as when you first applied it. And so again, we know that if these ingredients are that costly, we wouldn't want to use it to spray the barn. We wouldn't want to use it uh, uh, for uh, events that are not important. Uh, Certainly wouldn't use it on the basketball court or something like that. See, sometimes, though, when we have a new fragrance, new addition to our life, we think that this is something special. We bought a new truck. We have a new car or something like that. You see, that doesn't make us special. That God looks beyond all of those things. God looks at our heart, uh, as the Bible says, Matthew 23, verses 25 through 28. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You cleanse the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of extortion and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first cleanse the inside of the cup and dish that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Even so, you also outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness." See, we can hide things from others. We can try to cover up uh, the stench of sin in our lives as we read that scripture in Ecclesiastes chapter 10, uh, how that a fly in the perfumer's ointment causes it to put off a foul odor. He writes those words not because uh, uh, he wants you to understand uh, the importance of ingredients uh, for the perfume, uh, but that you also understand that in your individual life, if God has gifted you, if he's helped you, if you've learned, uh, you've gained wisdom, you have experience in life, uh, that you can ruin it all by a choice or a decision that will cast suspicion and regret in your life. This is what the Bible calls, again, the stench of indiscretion that ruins a testimony that had been built in wisdom and faithfulness, actions that demonstrate whether or not we are truly wise or whether or not we are foolish. See, our world tries to dictate what wisdom is. And we are living in a generation that I believe Jesus spoke of and scripture makes very clear in those days they shall call good evil and evil good. Are you prepared for the pushback on your convictions and what you believe is right and wrong? Your love for Jesus? Because we know we've had it to some degree but... I believe that we're going to see some of these things escalating in our generation. James chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. 
This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exists, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. I will not let the world, I will not let politicians, I will not let the unbeliever dictate what is right and wrong in my life. Galatians chapter 5 addresses again even just the smell of the flesh, as it were, the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions and heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. See, many of the items that we buy over the counter are infused with aromas, right? Whether it's our soap bars, our shampoo, uh, again, uh, uh, the soaps that we use to cleanse our clothing and all of these things, it's all meant to, to cover up the flesh, isn't it? Cover up this. I have people that I love dearly that, you know, they if their favorite shirt is in the dirty clothes hamper, they'll dig it out and put it on and then cover themselves with Axe spray. And that's one of the worst smells in the world. See, God isn't interested in us covering ourselves up. He wants to cleanse us. The Bible says we are cleansed by the washing of water, by the word of God. That all of these things represent uh, that uh, uh, you and I uh, being cleansed on the inside out. Again, as the scriptures we had read earlier uh, about the Pharisees, the hypocrites of that generation, clean first the inside of the cup, then the outside will be clean as well. I want to close with a thought of a sweet-smelling savor, a sweet-smelling aroma. The Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians 2, verses 14 through 16. And this, I believe, will tie together some of our thoughts about perfume and aroma, as it were. It says, Now, thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumph in Christ, and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one we are the aroma of death leading to death and to the other the aroma of life leading to life and who is sufficient for these things. Again, I find it interesting as you read in the news that oftentimes people are uh, making their appeals to remove uh, uh, Christian reference and uh, uh, Christian dogma from its influence on our nation and its laws. Uh, uh, one New York Post columnist uh, basically said, uh, America has never been a Christian nation, nor will it ever be a Christian nation. See, that's what the Apostle Paul is talking about. To some, we are the aroma of death 
leading to death. We are the ones standing in the way of their uh, enjoying their sin. Uh, You, as a Christian, you don't have a right to call people to repentance. Uh, Matter of fact, it's you that need to repent. You need to change your mind. But to some, you are the aroma of life leading to life. You are a great blessing to me, to my family, not just because of a gift and a love offering, because you're an answer to prayer. That sacrifices that believers made maybe decades ago, we believed in this vision that if we preach the gospel, God would build this church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. And God would multiply congregations. God would begin to fill the earth. And you are an answer to that prayer. When I come here, I don't just see your pastor in this congregation as a just a a church or some place here in the Houston area, but I see you as my family. You are brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. You are sons and daughter of my Father in heaven because you have been born again, and you are the fulfillment of everything God ever promised me and my friends and leaders decades ago. Ephesians 5, verses 2 through 6. Again, I would encourage you, you might mark some of these words uh, in your own Bibles. It says, walk in love as Christ also loved us and given himself for us. An offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints, Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather the giving of thanks. For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience." Again, going back to my young friend in Sunday school those many years ago when he took that breath of that floral arrangement and he said, stinks good. Even those words aren't meant to go together. There's something very true that applies to the believer. And that is, is that Oftentimes a believer can go through many difficult things. They can experience uh, uh, tremendous hardships. Uh, Their testimony sometimes will affect their relationships with people that is dear to them. Sometimes they struggle in different areas of life. Maybe they're even having physical uh, ailments and difficulties, disabilities in some way, uh, but that doesn't stop them from serving Jesus doesn't stop them from giving. They don't make perhaps a lot of money, but they still honor the Lord with the tithes and the offerings besides. People who have worked all week, they've worked overtime, but still they're here on a Saturday for outreach to go out in the miserable, humid heat to tell somebody about Jesus that God loves them. And God will be a friend that sticks closer than a brother. 
See, and there's something about that is that even though we go through hardships, I've known people who have lost children, people who have been hurt by leaders, uh, uh, people who've experienced injuries and can so many things that affect us, but they're still faithful. They still honor God. They still rejoice. They still worship. They come to church and they still clap. They still lift their hands. And that's what the scripture is talking about. It's a sweet smelling savor. It is a sweet aroma. It is something precious. It is something that God recognizes. Uh, it's something that the faithful uh, it recognizes well. Uh, this is something unique when everyone else is complaining. They're still trying to serve people. Just want to be a blessing. What about you? What, don't worry about me. God will take care of me. What can I help you with? See, that's precious. You don't get that in the world. Philippians 4, verse 18, the Apostle Paul, again, we are familiar, he refers to himself in some of his epistles as the apostle in chains. Don't be ashamed of me in my chains. For what has happened to me has fallen out for the furtherance of the gospel. Here's a good example of Stink's good. His life is being dragged from one authority to another. He doesn't have liberty. He doesn't have even some of the comforts and effects that most people would need. But yet he's still preaching Jesus. He's still praying for the churches. And he writes to Philippians, Philippians 4.18, Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. See, the church and their gifts their offerings, their support of the apostle, even through his difficult times. This is a sweet-smelling aroma. He's talking about the very thing we read in the Old Testament. The altar of incense. It is most holy to the Lord. A fire that is meant to be kept burning in the believer's life. Our faithfulness, our willingness to give, our willingness to serve, our willingness to honor God. God keeps good records. He keeps track of all of those things. Every tithe you've ever brought to the Lord, every gift for evangelist, uh, uh, every sacrifice for church planting, uh, for missions, uh, uh, for conference ministry. God takes note of every one of those things. We won't read it tonight, but many of you are familiar in Revelation 5, verse 8. It even speaks of a container, a vase, as it were, in the very throne of God, where the Bible says God keeps the prayers of his saints. 
that even prayers that we've prayed that we felt they haven't been answered, they haven't uh, uh, been completely fulfilled, uh, but yet God is waiting for the time in which those prayers, the answer will be poured out. See, God hasn't missed anything. God has observed everything you've done, everything you uh, endeavored to do for God, even though aspects of your life might stink because you remain faithful. It's a precious, sweet-smelling aroma tonight. I wonder if we can bow our heads just for a moment and close our eyes again just briefly in reverence to God and respect to those around us. Jesus, name above all names. He is our everything. Maybe you're here tonight and you don't feel that. Jesus is distant, perhaps, from you. Maybe it's because of sin. Maybe like the scripture we read, there's been indiscretions in your life and you know that you need to ask forgiveness. You need to make some things right. And that begins just with a simple prayer of repentance. When we sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and remove all of our iniquity. And He's appealing to you tonight. You want to be a believer. You want to bring God into your circumstances. You want Him to speak to you, to help you through life's trials and difficulties it begins with a simple gesture of asking God to forgive you, inviting Him into your life. And that's you. I wonder if you'd slip up your hand and say, Brother Johnson, please pray for me. I'm distant from God. There's sin in my life. I can cover it up. I can hide it from others, but I know that God knows everything. Nothing is hidden from Him and you want to make it right. I'm not interested in knowing what the details are. I just want to give you a necessary opportunity to be reconciled with God. Though your sins be as scarlet, they should be white as snow. That's His promise to every one of us. Would you slip up your hands and say, please pray for me. I need Jesus. I need forgiveness. I want to lay my sin at the altar. I want to leave it there. I want to walk away a new person tonight. Or if you just put up your hand, just put it up and right back down. No one's looking around. We won't embarrass you. I don't like to be embarrassed, and I certainly don't want to embarrass anyone. I just want to give you an opportunity to have an encounter with the Son of God. Anyone this evening with an uplifted hand, maybe you're backslidden in your heart. There's been rebellion, maybe anger, envy. We've read about the things, the fruits of the flesh, that stench. We often try to cover up. God knows. He's aware. and He wants you to reconcile those things. He wants you to forgive others for the things they've said or done. And Don't let that stand between you and your relationship with Jesus. I wonder if you'd slip up your hand. Pastor, pray for me. That's me. I'm backslidden. I want to rededicate my life. I want to serve Him with my whole heart. Hallelujah. We love you. God loves you. And church, I want to speak to the believers this evening. Thank you for being here in this final night of this revival. But I believe God made this message for some that are here that there are parts of your life that have been very painful. 
you've experienced loss, difficulty. Even right now, if I were to ask you what kind of difficulties you have, you have a whole list of things that makes life miserable. But in the midst of that, you still come and you worship. You pray. You're still kind. You're still generous. I recognize that. But more than that, God recognizes that. He sees that it is a sweet-smelling savor. It is a precious thing. And God wants you to know that. As we stand together and our brother lead us in a song of worship, come and find a place to pray here at the altar tonight. <laughs>